It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Boom! Boom! It's Rusty. It is Monday, Monday, Monday. And I am here. This is my third podcast today. And so you go back. It's the Public Access Podcast on the Quantum Global Broadcasting Network. Brought to you by Rolex, because if Roll W isn't quite enough, you get Rolex. Pay me big bucks for that shit. So anyway, today I'm bringing on a special guest that I've had on my Say by the Ben podcast. And I haven't got to bring on this podcast, which is dumb. I No, maybe I didn't have him on before. Gee, maybe he was, he might have been in another country, even though I was in another country, but I was in his country. But he was in a different country then. That wasn't my country. So anyway, I'm going to bring on a special guest. And I'm going to bring him on right here, right now. Because it's Monday night. And that's what we're doing. And it, right here, right now, we have Scotty Mack. The most decorated man. And I believe it's the Northwest. But you can say wrestling. Got him here as soon as. As soon as I get him on, but uh, I think he's going to, I put him in a waiting room. Maybe I shouldn't have put him in a waiting room, but anyway, so, uh, you know, business stuff here. Um, we got, we got some things going. So there we go. And yeah, with it being Monday, we had two episodes already today. You can go and check out the other shows on this network. We got the Thinking Man's Pro Wrestling Podcast. We have the uh, When the Gloves Come Off. Uh, we have This Is It with Lizzie and the Saved by the Ben podcast, which has been out of circulation for a bit. But you can go back and look on that one and it will have Scotty Mack on there where we got to talk about Saved by the Bell. And how we both are big fans of Saved by the Bell. And I think it was around the time that Screech died, which was, I don't know. It was, it was interesting with what happened with him. But yeah, with us both being Saved by the Bell fans, it was easy to talk about it. And we should have talked about it more. We should have gone and listened to recorded some more and but i shut it down put it on a hiatus and you know things on hiatus once they go on hiatus uh who knows who knows what's going to happen when they get on hiatus will it come back i don't know Uh oh i might have lost him i hope i didn't lose him oh i think he's back gonna get him in here uh so you guys here he is again maybe I think so. I think we have it. There we go. There we go. There we you know go. There it, what, it was a, it was a uh, um, technical issue. Yeah. On my iPhone, uh, for whatever reason, when I had it up, the the thing to allow it's a, like I could click on leave meeting, but I couldn't click on like to to stay in or whatever, and so I had to get out and go to the link again. Okay. We're good. Yeah, I think we're good. It looks good. And so 
to get back into it, so before we got on here, we were talking. I, I wanted to ask a few questions, kind of right off the bat. So now this podcast just sort of just goes into it, whatever happens, happens. So you were telling me about coming and doing shows down in Portland with uh, Ladies' Choice. That's right. Uh, the man with the plan oh, and the golden tin. Man, so how did that come about? Because he was he been wrestling for a bit and took you. Were you <laughs> one of the younger people at the yeah. time and kind of took you under his wing? That's right. Yeah, it was uh, the Ladies' Choice is one of the only wrestlers in at least BC that are still active uh, occasionally that have been around longer than me. So I think it's just uh, the ladies choice, Moondog Manson, uh, the rocket Randy Tyler, I think can still lace them up. But besides those guys, I'm the only guy, uh, or I'm the longest uh, running uh, dude around here with, with being active. Uh, Dropkick, I think is up there too. Uh, he's, he's put in a lot of years almost. I think he started a little bit after I did. So they're all still somewhere, still going sometime, could go, ready to go. Yeah, Dropkick had a sick match, and uh, I'm do, doing something called Loft Country Wrestling. I don't know if we talked about it last time. No, I don't think so. Because I okay. think when we talked last time, it was right around the time that Screech died, and I think it was maybe early in the – I don't know if I – what how much i'm gonna say it might just this might just be on rumble i probably will take it off of youtube because of stuff i can't say on youtube but it was it was around time of the uh the rona type of shit and uh, mm -hmm. i think that was when we started that last one and so i don't think there was wrestling going on very much mm -hmm. and yes, no there wasn't and then that was actually what like the 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 speaking out movement in wrestling, yeah, that happened at that time, and so it was it was just it was like if if wrestling was being talked about for that month or two, it was most likely about speaking out because it's not like there were shows or anything to talk about, yeah, and and so, uh, but it was. It was very interesting because it just it went to show like for all the for all the people that that have been negatively affected by by things in wrestling, like you know guys using their power or or you know, sexual harassment or assault or worse. I, I know there's been plenty of that, and there's there's a lot of people that should you know justice should be served, but in that time it was. Uh, everything that was was put out was believed by by the masses and i and, and i say that anecdotally because with the controversy with with um, my former partner there was so many people that wanted me to be guilty by association that's just not the case and so it really it really soured me for the first time in my life over what I loved the most and put before everything else. And so for the first time, I was like, I was so disenchanted by wrestling because it was this combination of the, you know, the, essentially a witch hunt with me because there was no, there was no truth to any of it. But it was like, oh, you wait till the Scotty Mac stories come out. It's like, 
no, there's no, there's no stories. Wow. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not turned on by uh, sex that isn't consensual. I'm not right. turned on if I have to get a girl blackout drunk or wasted or whatever. It, and those are the sort of things that were being implied or suggested. And the wow. worst thing, that I, the worst thing I did was I was with a terrible, dishonest boyfriend. I was, and, you know, <laughs> for a long yeah. time. And that's, you know, it is what it is. And I mean, what there was. Did, it, 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 like, obviously, like, I haven't run ECCW since then. But it's funny because, like, I there was one guy online recently that tried to suggest that it's like that I went into hiding. Um, and it was like, well, no, there was just no wrestling shows at that time. So I didn't know what that dude, you know, expected. Especially in but, Canada. Yeah. So, so what happened was, uh, I after all this, you know, came out, and it was on like it was featured on like the news here, like CBC, like yeah. What? Yeah, dude, it was fucked up. Holy shit! How they fucking? Because it it got it, I don't know if it was just from Twitter or whatever, but it was it was out there, and so Whoa. CBC had come to my wrestling school at one point. And did a positive story on the wrestling school. And so they're taking pictures for the story and they're like, yeah, like do one in like your villain character mode. So I'm standing in the ring and I'm up, I just like, mm. and then so they used that photo in the story about speaking out and all that, where I just looked like this asshole. I was like, yeah. Holy and, shit. And uh, so-, so that happened. And then like, I, so many wrestlers like just didn't have my back. Like it was just like radio silence. Like so many dudes, I would have been like, no, nah, this dude didn't do anything. Like, and it was so disheartening because I'm I'm not afraid to admit how much I've I've helped people in the Pacific Northwest, whether it be with wrestling opportunities uh, or even just in, in some cases film and television work. I mean, you do that, you know, a lot of, you know, it's who you know a lot of the time. Or right, yeah, who knows you? Yeah, you get that. Like I, my first opportunity in stunts was because of Mike Roselli. If Mike Roselli uh, hadn't uh, suggested me to his stunt coordinator friend, I wouldn't have done half the cool things that I've got to do because of it all comes from wrestling. But so I was so disenchanted by it, and and just and like I was like, what, what am I? I'm giving every like I'm giving as much as I give to this, and this is what I get back. And then I got an email from a dad. His name is Trent, and he's known in wrestling now as Sheriff T. And his son is the young gun, Jonathan Souls. And, and Jonathan was 15 or 16 when he started training with me because what happened was they he saw that the, there was all this bad publicity. He was like, you got a wrestling ring for sale. And I'm like, oh, actually, I do. And so he bought one of my wrestling rings. And then uh, he said, do you want to come train my son? So uh, it, it, it gave me like, I was able to see the, the innocence and why I loved wrestling in the first place again through, cause I, you know, you see it through Jonathan's eyes, 16 year old kid who's just so stoked that a wrestler, he's standing in a wrestling ring with a wrestler or like yeah. the, the look on his face where I brought the Bollywood boys to the, to the training center or when I brought El Fantasmo to meet him at the training center. And El Phantasmo gave him the first 
edition, like first pair of the El Phantasmo New Japan like shades that before they were like on sale or anything, he gave them. Oh shit! Yeah, that's awesome. He's a he's a good El Phantasmo is a is a good dude. He's it's like he becomes more down to earth. The bigger of a star he becomes, the you know the more chill he is. I gave him a pair of my Zubas uh, a few nice. years, a couple of years back. Uh, nice. He, what colors? Yeah, we're, uh, they're like uh, they're like snakeskin, like black and white. They were like nice. yeah, original ones from okay. like from the nineties that uh, my friend from Minnesota gave me. And nice. yeah, we were at a show, and he's just like, "Man, I like your uh, Zubas. Uh, can you know? <laughs> can I have them?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure. Okay, here you go." It's fucking. <laughs> Took him. I'm like, I got a pair of shorts, and I was just carrying around a bag, and so. Yeah, this is this is something else. You know, there's there's a lot of people. It's a it's a very uh, big compliment to say to someone. Oh, he, he, we give you the shirt off his back. You, my friend, I can. When I'm talking about you, I say, "Well, Rusty Dummy, he's such a good dude. He'll give you the pants off his ass." Right. That might be one of the first times uh, that's been been said. That might go on. Uh, that might go, you know, my something go, you know, in your a little, bio. Uh, a little bio, yeah. Give you the, the pants off the desk. Yeah, and I so I mean, oh, really proud of these. They came around a lot later, so I'm obviously stoked that WWE formed a relationship with with them, but I uh, was able to purchase these. Whoa! Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Well. Wait, what? Did they, are those new? Is that something new? Uh, they were about two years ago, like that. It's like Holy the WWE's Zubas, yeah. But those it's are actually, fucking awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, um, man, okay, I didn't know that was a thing. Good, good on them for getting back into that thirty yeah. years later. And I still, Holy dude, shit. it's like you're in NWO merch, man. It's like you. If you're wearing if you're wearing the black and white, I'm sure we'll find too. But if you got your your NWO colors on, you're that's telling the world that you're for life. Yeah, and you I, I got someone it. else. I got a shirt in there. Nah, of course you do. Yeah. And so, but when you when you just you know whatever you're wearing your NWO shirt and and you pass by someone a complete stranger and they look at the shirt, they look at you. And sometimes they'll say, oh, NWO. Sometimes they'll say too sweet. Sometimes they'll say for life. Sometimes it's just a nod and you just give them a, you know, it's just, or, you know, I've got up with two sweeted, uh, just random dudes. Brightens your day. Yeah. I mean, that's something I don't think they ever thought about when they started uh, NWO. Yeah. It brings us back to, and especially these days, so important the reminder of the simpler times where it was there was so much less to worry about at least in our lives at our age too and nwo was just like i don't know if we talked about it before but wrestlemania 31 uh sting versus triple h and they brought out dx and nwo and i'm sitting there watching yeah i'm sitting there watching it dude like i was by myself it was after the tv tapings and Paraguay and the rest of the talent went to the bar and I wanted to go and watch WrestleMania and so I sit there with my MacBook and I was marking out like just like nobody's business dude all by myself like screaming like a like a excited child 
and yeah. it, it took me back they gave me another 20 minutes of of that time in my life which as far as everything when you weigh everything and like worries and concerns and stresses and you know positive things and, and whatever it's tough to beat being like 17 18 19 years old nwo is is the hottest thing in the world you know austin 316 is is, is running wild and it's yeah. just uh, it's pretty fucking amazing and then still yeah mm -hmm. 25 30, 25 years at least right now it's yeah. just still just as strong i mean yeah you can get yeah. um you know with the resurgence and and then but yeah i mean it's so easy uh i mean like i don't know even i've got fucking rather jaded towards wrestling and it um it's nice to be able to go back and like yeah it kind of the going back to it and like you were saying like having someone coming in with fresh eyes that's just yeah i mean that that's how i felt when i started i i mean mm -hmm. i was just so excited to be in there and yeah be in the world yeah and then uh, then you start you know seeing shit and I, you know, that so, some shit got bad. Like, I mean, uh, mm. I don't know. It just, and I was someone some, like, I'm a very, I'm a very optimistic person. I'm a very, you know, I look on the bright side and, you know, I, my time in wrestling has been different than others in that I was, I was protected in a sense from um, very early on where when I started with ECCW, I trained a bit in Alberta with Ken Ham, but when I started with ECCW, they saw, because I already had a bit of a build and, you know, bleach blonde hair and it looked like rock for 2000. So they made me his little brother. So they already had something in mind for me, but they saw it. Like, it's like when a, it's like when a girl shows up at the wrestling school, they're like, Oh, you know, cause the girl was more of a, the girl was more of a draw. Right. To the point where they'd like rush them through training just to get them on shows. And, and, and so I, I came in and they kind of, they saw that that's some potential in me. And so when, and normally a rookie is going to be like dealing with like, like a lot of ribbing and like in, in making you question whether you want it or whether you're strong enough to handle it. At least that's the way it was. Um, I was, it was like, well, we can't, upset Scotty because if we upset Scotty then the promoter is going to be mad at us and the promoter didn't want to the promoter wanted to give me enough of what I wanted that like that I was happy and I stuck around and did what they you know what they wanted and then by the time like I was right like booking most of, my partner and I were booking most of the shows from about 2000 five or six like i went from booking my segments like my my feud and everything and i the girls i like the, the women's division as well to kind of influencing all the things to the point where I, dave republic would say okay this is what we need to get out of the show and then i would with my partner write it and then we'd send it back to dave and dave would just like sign off on it and then 2008 is when I actually bought it, or when, or sorry, when, yeah, when I bought it, um, 
And then, so then I was the boss. So it's like, I went through my rookie years as protected. And then I, and then I had a lot of influence and then I was the owner. And so a lot of like other wrestlers will have already had like all these, you know, e- you know, ego battles and, and, and like losing out spots for, you know, shitty reasons to others. So it's like, it was easier for others to get more jaded for me. I was, I was naive in a sense because I didn't know what it was like to deal with as much resistance. And then, but that, that didn't benefit me in the, in the grand scheme of things though, because it allowed me more often to be comfortable and good with what I was doing and where I was at. And I, and I, I really would have benefited from being hungrier and taking more risks at certain times. Like what? Like, when I, I about two years in, I think a year and a half, maybe, uh, Mauro Ronaldo was, he's from Abbotsford. He came to an ECW show and he, he recommended me to Matt Rats in Alberta, which was, uh, had Harry Smith and Teddy Hart and Natty Neidhart and TJ, Will, like uh, Tyson Kidd and Rene Dupree. Uh, so it was supposed to be like, wrestling for teenagers like Saturday morning kind of thing so it was like it was ahead of its time because it was like it was like just all these high spots and it was before like here was so I guess that you know it was like obviously the WCW cruiserweight division like pop popularized the the high spots in the a lot of the style that carried on to today but Bat Rats was going to do it with, you know, young teenage wrestlers. And so I already early on thought that I was going to um, have this like really good opportunity. Um, and then uh, what was after that? Um, so what happened with that? Did you just decide? Oh, it was an office thing. There was something um so i went out there we filmed the pilot and when i was there uh teddy thought I, you know i had a good look and some some ability or whatever and so he wanted me to come to alberta and like be with his kind of crew like um tj and then jack evans and, and all that and so then, you know, and they had their success and they, it was, it's always obviously like, it's nice to have like a, you know, group of guys like that. It can be beneficial. Yeah. And especially with the, you know, the, the reputation, the name values and everything with some of those guys. Um, and I, I, I think that moving to, to Calgary at that point, not that let's just say even training aside, like Teddy wanted to train me more and all that. Um, but even that aside, like just that move to Calgary where there was just more of a, like, especially since I didn't know if Matt Retz was going to turn out. So it would have made sense to, to relocate, relocate there, even just for the chance. Yeah. Um, and then in like 2005, I think was when I went to OVW for a training camp for the weekend. And I really wasn't happy with, with 
what I produced, I, I felt like the wide-eyed wrestling fan showed up that weekend rather than the, you know, the guy that had done some cool shit in wrestling in his first five years. But it was just like, I was just like, whoa, I'm here. Like, this is my chance at what I've always wanted. And instead of sure. looking at it as my first chance and being prepared to to take risks and to fail and to listen to them that that relocating there would have benefited me because I, I would have trained with them and and hopefully gone through that system. And but again, like I stayed here where I, I had my sure things with with you know and I didn't have to take any risks where like I was moving anywhere and and had to survive on on very little or something like I stayed relatively comfortable and so that's you know if I'm gonna be honest with myself which I think is important for everyone like we can't be if we didn't achieve everything we set out to looking for external external reasons why that happened isn't helpful you know right. uh, yeah so i know you know i i know what i what i could have done differently that could have produced more of what i was seeking when i started it doesn't mean i'm not happy with what i've done and, and all the cool things that have gone along with my particular wrestling journey like i've i'm very very grateful on a daily basis but i also know that there was you know there's certain things you look to accomplish and i and i there's a few more things i would have liked to have checked off on on that list and so so then after that was then so it had been 2005 you said and you said then you started working on booking or helping book then or at least just kind of right to it so i mean oh, so the same as um, 2008, where I, um, Neil, I was dating Neil Dashwood. She's, uh, yeah, Emma. Does she? It's still Emma, yeah. Um, right. And and so she was she was ready to go to Florida. Like whether she was, you know, accepted. Uh, she went into the camp, and they they thought she was great, and they signed her. But she wanted to go to Florida regardless and just you know be aggressive and go after it and that was at the time where dave republic was wanting to sell eccw and again the safe choice for me was to buy eccw and and you know i could even fool myself and say it was like you know to keep it to to keep it going and i mean that was part of it i, I did want to keep eccw going i didn't want it to be in anybody's hands but mine really but um you know again what if i what if i had taken the risk and and gone to florida instead instead of making sure that i had my company here where i mean if i'm the if i'm the owner guaranteed booking is probably a pretty good push <laughs> yeah, i'd hope so so then you were i mean you were just like a hundred percent, like I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to take the company. Uh, no, no, really yeah, push the other like way. There would, be, there would be potential. Like there, there was always other opportunities, but I, what I've learned, I guess what I've witnessed is 
your your I mean I, I think your accomplishments can't be bigger than the risks that you take you know your your the risks you take are are going to be in proportion to what you achieve and so the the people that have that I that I know personally that that I know their stories well of their road to success I look at the Bollywood boys I look at Kyle O'Reilly I look at El Fantasmo I look at uh Tenille, so Emma and uh and Becky Lynch I, I don't know how much I've talked to you about my relationship with her but Mm-mm, she at all um when I say relationship I was like we were we were friends for a long time we met in Ireland when I was wrestling for Irish whip and Whoa. she she talks about it on actually go go watch uh Stone Cold's Broken Skull Sessions on WWE Network with Becky okay. Lynch. Um, and she'll she'll tell the tell the story. Um, yeah, so, it's 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 cool. So so anyways, these the, the people that have that, that I've closely that I've had a close relationship with that have that have achieved what they a lot of what they set out to and a lot of what I set out to. The Bollywood boys they when they decided to, to kick it in full gear it was wrestling WWE was not and again this goes across everyone i mentioned it doesn't become their their number one priority it becomes their only priority so and i obviously all phantasmo's new japan has been a thing I, but i just mean like you know um success in, in in the big stage yeah so the bollywood boys they started taking risks you know they, there was even one where I think they snuck into raw or something in like Toronto and like, you know, things like that, where you just, you've got to get seen, you got to get talking to the right people. You got Kyle O'Reilly who took risks by relocating to the States. And uh, there was no guarantees that he was going to be making decent money or have a comfortable place to sleep or, or like food to eat. But him and Tony Kazina and Davey Richards became like this trio that were traveling all around and, and gaining a lot of, notoriety and success which then led to obviously like his ring of honor and everything that came after that then you yeah. look at uh el fantasmo who um again you know it takes he tries to take those big risks there was one point he tried to join kyle and davy and Kazina before lp yeah. experienced his own success and then you got both emma tenille and becky lynch who you know both have my utmost respect both of them like 18 years old relocating from other continents so we got Tanil coming here from so she trained with storm and then went back to australia for a bit and but we had met in lethbridge and then so yep. she said and i told her like come work for ecw and so she contacted me and and then there we go same thing with becky uh you know as we hung out for the week I was in Ireland, like and we met at the show and really hit it off. And, and um, I was just like, ECW's like wicked. We're, you know, it's, it's, we're doing cool stuff. And it was like right before, like everyone had like phones on them all the time. And like that social media, like what, like where everyone's super connected all the time. So I, I left Ireland, came back, and it was like, must have been like a year later, and I'm at the wrestling school. 
and I'm not going to try to do an Irish accent because I, I, I don't want to butcher it. I, I love the Irish accent, so I, I wouldn't want to do it a disservice. But this this attractive young lady comes down the stairs at the school and, oh, Scotty back. And I was like, and I, at first I'm like, who the hell is that? And it was Becky, and she had come to Canada, like I suggested. And Whoa. yeah, and then started working with us at ECCW. She has a an aunt on Vancouver Island. So there was, you know, she had some roots. And she stayed like she she lived at my place for a while. And uh um yeah, I mean you've seen the, oh, what's happened since, but it's it's pretty cool to to be a part of that story. So, but I use Tanil and, and Becky as examples because they had the courage at 18 years old to to relocate to another continent to go after what they wanted. So there's no surprise that they're both in WWE. Yeah. So so again, our our accomplishments are are, are in proportion to the to the risks we take, and I love what I've done, and I've been so fortunate there's opportunities I've earned and there's opportunities that have fallen in my lap and maybe some that are a combination of those, but it's that, it's that going that extra, you know, taking the extra big risk that reaps the extra big reward. But you know what? I mean, so they came in at, uh, what, you know, maybe like 2000, what, seven, 2008, somewhere in there. Um, to, uh, to Vancouver. Yeah, it would have been. Um, Becky was. Yeah, it was Becky was first. I think I met Becky in two thousand five, and then she came out in two thousand six, and then was here for like most of six and seven, and then she had suffered some injuries, so she took some time. Like she didn't know if she was done wrestling or what, and she became a flight attendant. Oh, and, yeah, and then so I only saw her like I only saw her one time after that, briefly, maybe in like, uh, you know, a few years later, maybe around twenty ten or twenty eleven, where she had a flight, like she came into Vancouver just for the night or whatever, like she was on some sort of, you know, for work, and then so she came to an RCC show and was like uh became a part of chill town for the night and uh had her you know a ringside is just kind of a surprise which is cool um because when we when she was here we were booked together too so like if you watch Supergirls, which was the, the girls division in eccw before they realized that names like Supergirls probably weren't the way to go yeah. and yeah and so but yeah, you uh, uh, you watched that, and I, I had the pleasure of managing Becky uh, in her matches, and we had a blast. It was uh, good, good, uh, good times had by all. I, I even I even got to uh, power bomb Lefisto through a table in the ring at Surrey. Oh, yeah. So it was it was Becky against Lefisto, and yeah. It's on. It's online. Supergirls, Becky Lynch versus or Rebecca Knox versus Lefisto. All right. And it's ref by this uh, 
was a student at the time, she had started training. She wasn't very athletically inclined. And so she was struggling to, to pick it up. And so we had a refereeing at Supergirls. And I, I, you know, nothing but love for her, like no disrespect, but it was, it was some of the worst officiating in, that I've ever experienced. And the way that we had the finish set up, we were asking way too much of her and the audience to suspend their disbelief while Becky and my shenanigans played out and that the fans were still supposed to accept the finish of the match like they did. It was like the longest, most awkward distraction ever. In order for me to set up a table and powerbomb Lefisto through it, and Lefisto was like was super light, so like I pick her up and I'm like I'm like this is a big like this is a big table. I got to make sure I put her through this, or she's like gonna bounce off. Yeah, and so I'm like I'm like whoa, it's just a gigantic powerbomb through the table. And, uh, but she got she got her seat. Uh, or I got a receipt the next night. We were in at the RCC in Vancouver, and she gave me like a strong girl. Uh, like a kryptonite crunch type uh oh. I don't know, like maybe it's Seamus that Seamus move uh and from the apron through a table on the floor uh oh, and shit. I, I scar on my back from the table for a long time so she got I got my receipt yeah well that's just uh, good for business yeah right yeah it's good for you good for her and uh yeah. you know so then I mean so I guess kind of what I was getting at was, I mean, if you had gone a different way, you wouldn't have been in that, uh, you know, had your hand in that training or, yes. you know, been able to, mm. you know, really help polish a lot of, a lot of workers and, you know, make them look fucking good and make them make other people look fucking good. When I speak on it, it's really, it doesn't come from a place of regret because I don't, I'm not, I don't like to, I don't have regrets. Sure. We, the, the decisions we make, you know, it's, it was, there's a really good meme I read about a week ago about, about the way that we look at things like decisions is like a right or a wrong decision. And we, it's not, that it's it's untrue like they're all just decisions that that come with different benefits and costs and it just yeah. determines which you know we might we might make a decision that we think is the best decision ever because it benefits us greatly in our career and then if we didn't do that we wouldn't get a hit we wouldn't get hit by a bus the day after that like how is that the right decision if we end up dead right yeah yeah you're not gonna yeah. get too many bookings if you're dead uh, yeah, those bookings are definitely going down if you're dead. If you're not able to to walk right. in. I don't know how you're gonna get that. You're gonna have to rely on others to bring you to the bookings. Yeah, it's just and then I, you're someone else's problem too. Yeah, and I mean you're gonna be like a fucking. You're gonna be sandbagging everyone. You're, just, <laughs> you're not. You're not going up easy for anything there. No, there's nothing you can do that you're not going up easy at all. Like there's there's yeah. that. As you know, as talented as I was when I was living, and I would go up late for everyone on everything. 
Yeah. Not the case. <laughs> not, the case. Not, not quite as much then. No. No. <laughs> oh shit. Um so I, I also wanted to ask about um I don't know if I did earlier, but I wanted to ask about kayfabe. I don't know if we've ever talked about kayfabe. Uh, not K, like kayfabe the movie. Fabe the movie. Kayfabe the movie. So Man. if anybody is wondering about about this kayfabe the movie that we speak of, I encourage you, and I and I don't say this about all the television and movies I've done. Some of the some of the movies I'm like, no, don't watch that. It's horrible. Yeah. Kayfabe the movie is is one of the first things I did, and it's easily one of my favorite things I've did I've done. And what made it good is that it was over with people in wrestling because it wasn't necessarily a commercial success. Nobody made a lot of money off this movie. But the amount of people in the business, I got young guys that I've never met telling me in locker rooms how much they love Kayfabe the movie and they watched it with their, their friends over and over and over. Like this one, dude, um, Johnny Rostin on VIPW. And the first yeah. time I was in a locker room with him and he just... He was just losing it over being in a locker room with Casa Supernova. <laughs> and and he knew he knew all the lines. And so it was a great way to connect. Uh, but it's just it's cool to see that sincerity and that their appreciation for what you what you've done. And people in the business are appreciating it from that perspective. Like the only the only person in the business that I that I read review it poorly. Yeah, it was Lance Storm. Didn't care for, care for it at yeah. all. Um, uh, but uh, everyone else uh, in the business, one person. It. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty oh. good. Uh, I take it you, you know. enjoy kayfabe the movie. I I did. I tell people about. It. I've told people about it in Minnesota. I told people it was on. It's on YouTube, by the way. The full thing is on YouTube. If anybody yeah. wants to watch it. If you can get the DVD and hear the commentary too, that's mm. worth it. If you can get to that too, I do have but, I do have the DVD myself, and uh, very very proud of that. Very funny, yeah. and drop, Dropkick Murphy is is amazing <laughs> in it. The Lady's Choice. Um, it was uh, it's something to be proud of. So, how did you fit in? Do you fit into that because you were? with with lc and you know, yeah, you'd ask like, about lc with, with that as well like earlier because on portland it was that they choose they chose who they wanted from canada but yeah. then just they but dropkick was already fast becoming one of my best friends and then the, the lady's choice was like a mentor not even so much in the ring but uh, sort of outside of the ring wrestler you know and he's the guy that you wanted to be on the road with and he's the guy that you wanted to share a room with. He's the guy that sure. you wanted on LC time, which meant, again, this is, you know, the, the protected, uh, don't want to upset Scotty Mack rookie years where I got to travel with the LC. So I'm showing up to the building when LC shows up, which is a lot later than the other rookies. And uh, so I was, so the same thing, like I guess the Rocket saw something in me and had me audition because it's the rocket randy tyler and mike scully and mike raven are a team that uh, that made it and then asked all the actors and so 
excuse me, it was, I guess, my, my work that got me the opportunity, but then my friendship with like LC and Dropkick and Rocket that makes these things, you know, really be able to utilize their potential because of the natural chemistry between us and how much, how good of a time we're having. You know yourself when you're performing in the ring and you're having a good time, the people feel it and they're yeah. going to be, they're going to be more likely to be in it. Yeah, be, they'll be right there with you. If, you, if they can yeah. tell you're having a good time and yeah, yeah. You're, you're right there. And I mean, it looked like that in the movie. Um, yeah. It's, I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, so, I mean, you're, what, a few years? No, 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 a few years. You're probably, what, I think like seven, eight years in maybe then, I guess. So, yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, you're just, I don't know. I mean, did you have any clue that people like other, it was going to go and get around to the other workers and shit? Or, I mean, what were you thinking it was going to do when you got pitched that? Because, because, Again, and, and this is just, I'm not trying to brag, I'm because I'm, I'm very grateful. But my, my, my path, my path um, I, was, I was used to, like from the very beginning, because I was booked as Rockford's little brother with and Beckett, Chance Beckett was Rockford's best friend. So they were already like, you know, very prominently featured on shows and being put in programs or, or put in matches with, out of town talent like ECW, the original ECW had just, you know, shut its doors around the time I was starting. So you had a bunch of guys, you had a bunch of guys that were like hot from ECW that were now needed work. So they they brought in, you know, Steve Carino and Tommy Dreamer and Sabu. And, and so with, it was like my maybe my second or third segment and Rockford and Beckett are mouthing off to Steve Carino and then then they toss me to him and I take you know his finish or you know they got me in there with with Christopher Daniels in my first six months and so and then the Matt Rats thing so it's like I was already used to like these opportunities becoming available and it was just in my mind it was just kind of which one was going to be the one that that made that they got the momentum made everything work and again i'm looking back on that realistically and i'm going okay while i was waiting for that that you know that right thing that like that thing that's gonna you know strap a a a, a, a rocket pack to my back you know like and just yeah uh jet pack to my back and i i should have been making i should have been making my own jet pack like I, and it's times like that where I would just kind of like chill and enjoy what was going on instead of being like, okay, I got this and, and I, I want more. And with kayfabe, it was, yeah, it was super enjoyable. And I know that, that we sort of fantasized about a sequel or a series afterward. And which sounded great to me because I had, by the end of shooting, like, I think we're shooting for two or three weeks. And by the end of shooting, I, had gotten so comfortable in that setting and in that just even the schedule and and the character cast the supernova which was really not that different from who i am uh, i guess it, a, a bit more 
effeminate and uh, ambiguous. Yeah. But, you well, know, it's not, not, that, that, not that different. And I really enjoyed the humor. I really enjoyed the, because I, I think you can appreciate that, that, this, that, that there's that oblivious element to humor sometimes where, where the reason why it's funny is because there's someone present that is completely oblivious to the joke. And that was that was me as cast of Supernova. I was oblivious to how I was coming off to others. And so I was able to to play with it. And because it's cool, like they were so cool with shooting. I've been so fortunate. because uh, I've got this with Rusty Nixon's films as well. I've done a few movies for Rusty Nixon. He's had a couple of movies on Netflix and so on. Um where if I say so, if I, I, I have, I've had that freedom. Okay. Well, I, what if I said it like this and like, for instance, the, um, where I'm explaining my, my name, uh, no, no, cast a super, cast a supernova. Uh, cause he, he, like, I think Roselli's Steve justice, where you like a ladies man. And he's like, um, uh, no, he he says uh, no. He translates. He says it was a house of house of supernova, and I and I I was like I was like no, it's I'm a ladies man. I don't even speak Spanish, and yeah. I don't even speak Spanish. Was mine like I just and and so I've been so fortunate to get to put my own kind of flavor in things, which isn't always the case. And so um, I was really into it, and then. I don't want to give anything away for people that haven't watched it on, you know, everyone should go watch it. But yeah. my character, by the end of the movie, there is, you know, you get a better idea of, of who it is. And then I had an idea for the series where someone else came around that I was then oblivious to their what, what, like in the, in the movie, I, it's like, I was oblivious to how I was coming off to others. And in the series, yeah. it would be me oblivious to someone else's obvious intentions. And so, I mean, so that movie was 2007, I think, some, somewhere mm -hmm. around 2007. Yeah. And so, I mean, if it were 2024, what I mean, what do you think would be if there there was hypothetically a sequel? What would what would be happening? I think I think that for starters, I think if if those involved in the original could make it happen, they would. I don't know if there's anybody in the uh, from that cast or crew that wouldn't want to come back and do more. Yeah. And. And so that that would be the, the cool part is that it would be it would like it's like it's like when they when they did the Save by the Bell uh, reimagining as they called it rather than reboot. It's I there is no way I would have watched it as much or given it as much chance or I allowed these new characters into my heart so to speak uh, like I did if I didn't have. Uh, you know, Zach is the mayor, and and Kelly is his wife, and Jesse and and Slater working at the school, 
and even you know the the Lisa you know cameo, and then she had a bigger role in the in the second season on a couple episodes, I think, which I really loved seeing for her because you could tell she Lark Voorhees was pretty messed up for a while with her with her mental health issues and so on. So to see her be able to produce on that that second season was yeah. it was cool. It was it was. Yeah, yeah, because he yeah. wanted her to succeed and be a part of the gang and all that. And so I just think, yeah, if we, if we didn't have that, then I wouldn't have been into it. Same with uh, when Roseanne uh, came back. It was as if we had just, we were back in the Connors kitchen, you know, 30 years later, whatever. And it just felt like, yeah, the cameras were gone for a while and now they're back. And this is, the, you know, the, Roseanne and the Connors. And then of course they screwed Roseanne over. Uh, I can't imagine what that's got to be. I mean, I went through enough with ECCW, but never mind. The show is named, the show would be named Scotty. And it's based on my life and who I am. And then you're going, and I'm going to make it one of the most successful shows in the history of television. You're going to fill me off my show and rename the show. And everyone goes on because you said something that was perceived to be racist when in reality it was just Roseanne's perception and observation that I don't think had any racial connotation to it. Yeah, I don't think so either. And so with, with kayfabe, it would have been, you know, we'd get the same cast, it would be the same magic. I think it would be, we would be so much of the jokes, like so much of, I think the content would be the adjustment to what things are like now. And it would be maybe, I think, maybe have the same appeal to those in the business that get it and that get the references and that maybe it would be difficult for somebody that doesn't love wrestling or know a lot about it to appreciate it nearly to the same degree as someone that is in wrestling because it would be like, so much of it would be it take off on how much things have changed. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, with that, like, I mean, I don't know. Cause I, I see it in so many places, like, uh, the, you know, open for everybody and anybody it doesn't work. It, weirdos come in bad stuff comes in you got to have some sort of people that i mean people that, that aren't like again i've said it so many times we are this is staged combat we are we are invested because we want to see one warrior beat another warrior yeah. and when someone when when someone has no athletic ability or has no presence or intimidation or stature or charisma or when you're when people are getting the opportunities based on inclusion and based on there's probably plenty of promoters that are that are that are trying to book smart as in you know meet as diversity quotas and and oh this is hot right now so i'll book this person because this particular thing is hot and i mean it's fine and bookers can book how they want i know that i benefited from my look and my body and 
so on like that that my you know my skill my skill was good but i know that i was selected oftentimes just based on appearance and i was tv ready um yeah but uh it's we need gatekeepers we need to we we should have continued to weed out the weak that can't take it whether it be physically or mentally and we needed to continue to not insult i mean maybe there could be i don't know who am i to say but i just i still think that that if if you're not physically intimidating then your skill set better be solid and if you're not that big you're you know when you're hitting me if if i'm going to sell it like you can't be whiffing on it and you in and it's got to be quick and it's got to be effective and and i try to enforce that and keep that up as much as i want with what i'm involved in in wrestling and i can you know i book my loft country shows that way where if you're on it you there's an obvious reason why you're on the show and not in the front row and and that's not the that's not the case in a lot of places and it's only doing us a disservice in the long term yeah. and like you said like we were letting everyone in so there's a lot of there's a lot of creeps yeah and and then uh especially when you like I, I say this all the time and i mean i've gotten some heat for it but i mean like places that you know claim their safe spaces it's where they fucking go to because it's a fucking easy target yes. and then like you know i have i have friends that you know go on these shows but i don't want to be anywhere fucking near them like i i can fucking read these people and i'm like dude fuck this the first watch yes. watch watch what happens and then boom 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 like oh this person's cool they're 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 inclusive they're they support what i'm doing and i'm like watch watch the fuck out watch the fuck out yes. and then it's, and it's the last voices you know this too it's the it's the it's the the those that are the first to like get him get him get him that's that's the guy that has stuff to hide that's the guy that it's going to come out about and it's proven again like I, okay, I don't know how much interaction he had with Adonis. Um, yeah, no, I'm, 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 like, I don't know. We're we're friends. Uh, I'm not. I I'm out with them a little bit here and there. He's he's one of the greatest people that I know. He's one Super of my nice. best friends. Yeah, shirt incredible. off the back guy. Maybe, yes, maybe pants off true. the ass guy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? In the right circumstances, the right guy. Yes, maybe I'd say that. Nobody else is getting your moniker, okay? That's yours, but okay, you know, all right. So more yeah. so than more so than your average individual. Uh, thank you. And so he's he's so so, but it, it, it honestly, he's a he's a good dude, and uh, uh, and I I'm I don't know I think I'm all right. I'm a pretty good dude. I'm not perfect, but I I try to be better all the time, and yeah. it, you know it's going all right, and I and I think that I. I'd like to think I, I aim to make those around me feel comfortable in my presence. And, and so Adonis and I in wrestling locker rooms have always been very approachable. 
uh, and, and encouraging and, and helpful. And yet we are two guys that are talked about the most in a negative way uh, with assumptions of how we are or, or misconceptions or intentional misrepresentations of who we are. And people don't like our, you know, maybe some of our political or worldviews and then make assumptions on, on who we are based on that. Which is fucking um, crazy. It is. And, but so one of the guys that was one of the biggest, uh, basically try, I think, tried to prevent Adonis from continuing to have, uh, have bookings at a certain company in Washington several years ago. They didn't like his yeah. Trump gimmick and all that. Oh, but yeah. holy shit. Did that, that fucking got over great, man. Like I saw a video of that and holy shit. Yeah. I think I, sh- I showed it to my buddy and uh, man, it was fucking like people were pissed the fuck off. Like he's doing something right. It, he yeah. it wasn't fucking crickets, but you it know, it wasn't crickets. It's, but it's, if you've got, if you've got shit to hide and you need people to focus on, on this, you know, this racist Trump supporter, uh, it's because maybe, maybe you want to make sure that they don't find out what you're doing. And yeah. uh, so one of the guys that was most against Adonis, I think was instrumental in his, in his, I guess, discontinued bookings for a certain company it was just outed recently as uh, very inappropriate uh, text exchange with an underage girl. Yeah, yeah. No and Right, it's, it's not really. I mean, it's like, I, you can see it coming from most of this shit. Like, it's just a matter of time. And it's, but then you, you kind of watch the circle around them. And yes. then it's the, uh, you know, and, and then there was none, uh, you know, yeah. each yeah. one. Then one gets fucking taken out and they all fucking get on that guy and they're just waiting for whoever, whoever's next on that circle. And they just, just hope it crossing their fingers. It's not them. You're just getting a little longer. You can't keep it off of me. Put it here, put it here. Yeah. Yeah. It gets, yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It's been weird. And like, I mean, since, when was it? Pretty much in, I guess, right. Pretty much when when uh, the Rona and the resurgence of of uh, you know BLM and shit and all mm-hmm. that, man. I fucking like I on like uh, all my internet stuff, all my social media stuff. Just like I didn't like it was all just the same shit. I didn't. Yeah. want to hear it. and i mean i stayed that way for the last three years dude like i don't mean i'm not missing much if it's, something really happens i'm gonna get messages from someone and well, it's they'll tell like, me, uh, for me I, I i have no appetite for hollywood uh i my my youtube music last year was 95 percent independent artists i i know too much about what's going on to yeah. trust anybody in, in, in these high up positions, whether it be in politics or, or, you know, celebrity or whatever. And it's, I, I mean, I used to, 
part of wanting to become a famous WWE wrestler is, you, you know, like you said, famous. Like it's, it, it was appealing to me. Uh, the yeah. fame was appealing to me. Well, at this point, man, like I, 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 I'm, I'm eager to do more things like, you know, the movies I do with Rusty Nixon, where we're telling we're telling good stories, and I'm happy with the character that I'm portraying, and we're not carrying out some agenda or pushing a narrative, or just subtly putting in these little you know messages or or trying to to train the the next generation to think a certain way i just ended up in a whole bunch of twitter mess about a month ago but they, these days it only lasts about it it only lasts about a day because the, everyone's just gone to the next thing yeah so what but, what was that a month ago well i was in a group i'm in a, a group uh chat with a, a few respected peers in the wrestling business and we'll often share a different article like you said like if it's important you'll hear about it and and so we'll share different articles and things and sometimes it's just you know examples of the clown world we're living in and um there was a there's a wrestler in Ontario that there was a promoter in Washington that sent out a tweet to for promotions not to book this guy because of the retweets and likes on his Twitter timeline were whereas they claimed transphobic because he had he was reposting and praising a Alberta male Alberta weight weightlifter that went in the women's uh, divisions because why not right. and to, to show how absurd and ridiculous this is and broke all these women's records so now it holds all these women's records for the weightlifting yeah and you 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 have a right as far as i'm concerned not a right you have a, a, a an obligation as as someone that's figured out what's going on to call it out and to mock it because that is that it seems to be the only way that, that things change. Yeah. And, and so, it's... and then, and, and what I tried to, what I tried to explain several times in my Twitter exchanges, and I try not to get into these the exchanges because it's, you, you know, two hours goes by and you're like, what a, I just wasted two hours to get nowhere with this person that doesn't want to see what I'm saying that wants to intentionally misrepresent my 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 views yeah they already have their mind made up about you yeah. and so it's not that like there's the people that have an actual like you know that have gender dysphoria and that are struggling with who they are and adults that are choosing to to change whatever they want to cut off your left arm if you want if you're an, an adult, I don't care. Yeah. Do whatever you want to your body. Dress how you want. It's yeah. not gonna. It's not really gonna impact uh, uh, um, my life or how we interact. Well, yeah, it's it's weird. Like the yeah, the Gen X part would just was like, 
do whatever the fuck you want. I don't fucking care. Like mm-hmm. you're cool. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're cool as mm-hmm. long as you're cool with me. It was the same with 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 race relations. We were getting right. somewhere with our generation where we weren't focusing on it, and then they they flipped it. It's just hyper focus on the differences, and you yeah. better recognize the story of this race and this race and whatever. And it's just divided us more. And with this the trans thing again, I, I there's there's a lot of people that I get it. Like you're you're you. I, I guess I don't get it, but but I I understand that there's there's feelings that you, they don't want to feel. And, and again, adults should do what they want about it. But I, there should not be biological males in women's sports period. That isn't, it's women are getting hurt. Women are getting robbed. Imagine having a, a, a daughter that, you know, has been busting her ass since she would shoot, since she could walk to, to be the best at a certain sport. And she gets, she's like, you know, 18, 19 or whatever. And she gets a chance at the Olympics or to whatever, just something high profile that she's always wanted. And you watch her get crushed and her dreams get crushed because she's standing on the second place because some dude that placed 400th in the men's division decided he's going to grow his fucking hair out and put all, all, you know, women's, you know, bathing suit or women's cycling outfit or whatever and just beat all the women. Right. Our, and biologically we are made differently we are stronger we have uh, you know men usually have longer limbs men we have a different you know, i even read something about like the way that we oxygen what we how we use oxygen is is more efficient like i guess in these athletic situations than women we're acting like that's not true and we're allowing so many innocent and the, the danger, like I no, I don't want biological men in a in a women's space. They're they got handicapped washrooms, they got washrooms for both genders now or whatever. That's fine. I think individual washrooms are preferred everywhere. I don't like to piss in a urinal next to a bunch of guys. I certainly don't want to at the trough at the fucking stadium where you get another so piss it, back, you know? Yeah. You know when yeah, you wear shorts. All yep. how much piss you've got on your legs right. over the years and know it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty it, fucked uh, up. Urinals is like it's like urinals are a, a failed invention. We're much much like the paper straw. Urinals are a failed <laughs> invention because if I'm pissing in it, that should mean that it's not splashing back at me. Right. It has one job just to not That's like right. get, get the fuck away from me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just don't don't let any piss get on me. Or anyone else for that matter. Right. Just, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I think about that probably more often than I should, you know, like, why, so why is for, it still? We're all for individual washrooms. I am, but I know I don't want biological men in, in women's spaces, like change rooms and things. And the other thing is stay away from the kids. We don't yeah. need men in dresses. We don't need men in dresses reading them stories. We, the, the drag, the whole drag thing has had an element of, a strong element of sexuality in it as long as I've been aware right. of, of these existing let's not act like it's not the case and let's not ignore the video examples that you can find online of all these inappropriate situations with adults and, and, and kids in these sexualized situations let's stop acting like this isn't happening let's stop acting like when you put a biological male in a woman's prison 
that women are going to get raped and pregnant and like what you mean these men are actually transgender they're they're insincere and they're lying just to get into a women's prison so they can fuck a bunch of girls i'm not a criminal if i was a criminal even if i wasn't going to force myself on on anybody which i wouldn't i would prefer to go to the female prison because there'd probably be some female prisoners that were into me and we would have a good time and it would be consensual rather than if i was in a male's prison I, you know, I'm not afraid to say I'm prettier than the average dude. So yeah. I, that sounds like I'd be in for some, some non-consensual action in the male one. I'm yeah. going to tell you I'm a girl. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't know what the time frame is. If you get, if you get in trouble, like how far, you know, do you have to have some sort of documented thing, you know, a few hours before or as you're getting pulled over, uh, you know, pulled <laughs> over by I, the cops? What I do? Just in case I, uh, uh, you know, I decide to, to go down the life of crime, um, maybe just take some photos of myself, like holding up a newspaper, like an address and a wig or something. And just like over the period of time, just so they can see that I've been doing it for, if they see by this podcast, I'm screwed. They're not going to let me in the women's prison. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get to have the consensual sex with the, you know, the, the, the willing female, you know, they're going to be still, I'm like a pretty good looking dude. You know, they're not yeah. going to be disappointed if I'm your, their cellmate. Okay. Yeah. This is better. This is better than what yeah. I was getting before. <laughs> I'm more into this. <laughs> and, and then kids again, stay away from the kids. Kids aren't born in the wrong body. Don't tell them that. And no, we, we should not be, there should not be hormone puberty blockers we should not be cutting anything off or turning anything inside out or like i've seen it's happening kids they're transit i fucking wanted i've said this so many times i wanted to be spider-man for a long time but i don't think my parents should allow me to wear the spider-man hood and everything all day all the time and like think that i could you know it just right. probably wouldn't have been good for my development so i also like i don't know my mom wouldn't let me, like, I had a mullet. And so she would only let me grow it, like, a certain length. I wanted fucking, I wanted 1993 Shawn Michaels length mullet. I wanted fucking 1980, you know, 88, 80, 1989 Bruce the Barber beefcake length mullet, man. Like, sure. I don't want no, like, many mullet. And that's all my mom would let me do. It's hair. My, I've got, my mom, I wanted earrings since I was, like, probably 12. She said, not till you're 16. And then on my 15th birthday, it was so nice. She surprised me, took me to go get my first uh, oh. hearing. Yeah, there's a fucking hole in my ear. Yeah. I leave I mean, my dick alone. Yeah. And it's weird that it's so much of telling everybody that you're, you know, everybody's okay. Like, you're be okay with who you are. But then they're saying, but don't be okay if, like, you're not, you were born this way. That's don't, right. you don't be okay with that. Like, well, you know, like be, you gotta still be your, yourself and, you know, be, be happy with yourself. And, and, just, and if we could just discontinue this normalizing pedophilia thing. Man, the, I gone down some rabbit holes on that one. Mm -hmm. Like when back in 20, 
18, 2019. Um, it, got, it was fucking crazy. And it was like right around the time that uh, that the Isaac Happy, when he uh, died, the guy who was the the actor. Um, and there, so there was a whole bunch of shit that we found out kind of with that and connections to, you know, a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you even hear like when, it's know, fucked. With, with with Chris Cornell and the the lead singer of Lincoln Park, what they were trying to do. When they uh, were yeah working on that, uh, the video suppose, together, the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, how many people like, that have. Yeah, they're in the, using the whole. They're like I, again, consenting adults have sex with whoever you want. Fill your boots. I don't care. It's yeah. got my my sister is into girls. She doesn't like guys. I yeah. love her to death. When she told me when she was like eighteen or nineteen, we went. My name's Jen. She's a wonderful girl, and and so. And we were close. We would go to concerts together. I'm like 11 years older than her. She'd, we'd go to concerts. Actually, funny story. We went to this, um, like, it was essentially a lesbian music festival. Yeah. And uh, because Tegan and Sarah were playing, and I was, we were both big Tegan and Sarah fans. I still, I still like their old music, just the newer stuff. It's like whenever, it's a lot of the time where you, you like an old, you like the band sound and then they get, like Coldplay, for instance, I don't want to sound like I'm a Coldplay fan, but I really liked the first couple albums. And then it became so overproduced. It's like it's just it, it, it initially was about the songwriting and the and the you know and the there was just it was raw and real. And same with Tegan and Sarah. So we're at this yeah. what I think is a lesbian mu music festival. And then and I thought to myself at one point, I'm like. It's just this whole place. It's just me, my sister, and a bunch of lesbians, which that's fine. But it was just an interesting, you know, I was, still, I was kind of buff and everything, so it kind of looked weird. And But when my sister said to me, I think I like girls more than boys. And I said to her, I think I like that better. Because I knew she wasn't going to have to deal with lying assholes like me. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know what women are like, but I knew that, that to, to eliminate the the possible heartache from a guy like me was I was like all right I'm in for this and the funny thing was looking back on that that music festival it wasn't yeah. me my sister and a bunch of lesbians it was just me and a bunch me. of lesbians <laughs> <laughs> so and again like, like everyone have sex with who you want marry who you want all that that's great yeah um but they're using that as a as a I guess a Trojan horse, if you will, um, to to make pedophilia like you know what they what what they would have said. It's like okay, we well, can't help who you're attracted to. You know, if you're into if you're dying to do is like I can't help like I can't help being into chicks. Like I can't help that. Right. That's like tits and pussy. Like is what I'm like. Yes, that is what yeah. arouses. All me. right. And, Party. Uh, and, and then I've got my own dick, so I don't, you know, I don't need other ones. Right. And um, and I'm not into it. It doesn't arouse me. So if a dude is aroused by that, who am I to say who he should be aroused? By? I can't help being aroused by girls. 
Yeah. Yeah. So but I know it's all. We've got to draw the line though with the kids. And they're trying to do this like non non offending minor attracted persons. They're trying to change pedophile to minor attracted persons it's to take crazy. out this. Yes. Now I have a lot of, honestly, Rusty, I've said this to a few friends. Rusty, I'm telling you, you could probably commit murder and I would still be friends with you. I don't know if that's okay or not. I'm just saying, I don't think murder would be a deal breaker for us for a friendship. I, well, I, I don't know the circumstances. Yeah, I don't know the circumstances of the murder. I don't know if it was justified or not, but I, I know I'd hear you out. And it just, it wouldn't be an automatic deal breaker um kid diddling or like you know just participating in a child pornography exchange and that deal breaker no yeah. questions asked where it's i'm out like and it sucks because you probably don't want to feel that way and you probably need to have some people in your life and to help you maybe deal with this and get out of it but i don't accept it and i and um it seemed it's something that we shouldn't be just going okay well that it's okay that they're just attracted to kids and we'll just believe that they're not doing anything about it like that's absurd it's like again it's like the men in women's prisons it, 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 like it, no no it doesn't we're, we're like there's adults man there's adults making adults that would get higher score higher on iq tests and shit than me right adults in like my which much have much more responsibility and power than i do that are doing things that are so blatantly obvious to be ridiculous and, and, and absurd. And, and I'm sure there's some that are just, you know, carrying out an agenda, but then there's some that are actually, I think, convincing themselves uh, that, that they're right or that, that it's good. Or like, it's like, okay, must virtue signal, must virtue signal, can't be ousted from the social circle. I must conform, must think what they think. I must rationalize this to myself. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. It's. Um, it's interesting. I mean, and there's. It's gotten also to the you know with with me or against me mentality. Yeah. For a lot of that virtue signaling mm. community, and I mean, with something like this, like. You know, if someone you know st stands up and draws a line, I mean, that could, mm. you know, put them in all kinds of. Oh, that's what I, that's where I was going. I keep going off on these tangents. We were talking about the wrestler in Ontario who was saying that things about uh, his Twitter was basically the dude was trying to get this guy blackballed because his, his views on the, you know, the, the biological males in women's sports. He was retweeting Jordan Peterson as well, which of course, you know, anybody that knows Jordan Peterson knows that he's Satan um, here on earth and just the worst person ever. Sure. Either that or, 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 I mean, a dude's a, if, 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 if any, if this world had a godsend, it would be Jordan Peterson because he has spoke, he's made so much sense of, and he's stated obvious things like in his 12 rules for life and 12 more rules for life, things that like we shouldn't, we think we shouldn't need to be reminded of, but we do. And it's like, well, that's so simple, but it makes so much sense. And so he retweeted Peterson or liked his Peter, Peterson stuff. And so this dude's trying to get this guy blackballed. And I just had enough in this group chat. I just said to the guys, I'm like, we can't keep letting this happen. I said, I'm going to say something. 
Actually, it was my, it was my buddy Marty that first said I, he, he was going to post a tweet response. I said, yeah, let's stop. Because anytime there's controversy, the dudes left to get dogpiled by all these, like, you know, everybody in their, in their uncle, like attacking this person, trying to get them, you know, canceled and try to get them to apologize or something for wrong think. Yeah. And, and so I'm tired of it. So I said, I'm going to post something. And then another dude in the chat, Kevin, he, he posted something. So we're now on Twitter defending this guy not so it, we didn't even get into the discussion so much as it was like you shouldn't be causing this guy costing this guy bookings for a difference of, of viewpoint or, or opinion and then it got into all that because then people started going well, look at scotty max timeline look at all his anti-trans stuff and it's like so i went out of my way and these trying to exchange messages with these guys and go and try to find some common ground actually with with a, a mr Ulala is a uh, I worked with him in Portland years ago. So talented, such a great mind for wrestling and, and entertainment. We appreciated so much of the same stuff. So much, of, I think, the nuances and the, the little attention details that, like yourself, I think things that you yeah. and I have in common. And so the thing was in Portland, it's like with Mr. Ulala, I just like, dude, legit had his name changed to Mr. Ulala on his ID. Like, that's fucking cool. I, that's where he was super. Uh, I was like, this guy's over with me. Um, yeah, absolutely. So all we wanted to, like, we always said we wanted to work together more. Um, hopefully we will sometime somewhere. Just do more. And he's one of the few that I have a, that I disagree with on on these, you know, worldviews that are you've got to think the same way on or you can't be friends take mentality i've managed to preserve um well two at this point um mr ulala would have been more sort of a casual like more of a, a, a colleague and you know respected peer kind of thing rather than we didn't talk all the time or anything but I knew that we thought differently when it came to this stuff. And so when he was tweeting at me, it, it sucks because his intention wasn't to understand where I was coming from or why would I, what I'm saying might be accurate. Like, it, unfortunately their mentality and when I say there, I know I'm, I'm like making a broad statement, but to entertain an opposing viewpoint is already giving it too much credit in their view and that we could look at as hateful and and be ousted sorry i'm getting yeah and uh so um uh i just i i i try to find common ground with the friends that i want to if this comes up that, you know, because my two friends that I still have that we think very differently on, we just don't, one friendship, we just don't touch it. We just don't talk about anything that we know that the other disagrees on. And it's a, a friendship I cherish very much and I, I, I won't let get destroyed by this. I'm going to let him think what he wants and he can let me think what I want and we can continue to enjoy everything about each other that we enjoy because we, we became very, very close in a very important time in our life it is in, in Paraguay, actually. And so I, I won't let that 
get soiled. And then my other friendship, when we talk about stuff, we're just very delicate and generous and charitable to the other when talking about more controversial stuff. Well, that's how I wanted it with Mr. Ulala. And by the end of it, I was just trying to get the point across that like, do you recognize that there's a lot of insincere actors? There's a lot of um, disingenuous, bad people that are using the absurdity of, of, of things and what we have to allow to, to avoid being called bigots. They're utilizing that in their, for their own selfish pleasure and gain. So let's say all the people with gender dysphoria and all that, let's say they're all good people. I don't know. I've, 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 I've met a few and yeah. nothing, but, nothing but pleasant exchanges with them. There's a, there's a worker in Alberta uh, that uh, I've been on several shows with and always a pleasure to interact with. I don't treat them any different than I do anyone else. Um, which I think goes yeah. back to that, that Gen X, you know, quality, I yes. guess everyone's, yes. everyone's whoever, like it's, yes. uh, don't, um, hurt, don't hurt anybody and we're cool. Yeah. Like, um, uh, you know, like, uh, in South Park, I mean, they had, uh, you know, Timmy on there who was, you know, yeah. and, but they didn't make it like, oh, he's the, you know, kid in the wheelchair is just like that's it's just timmy hangs out with us he's fucking cool like yeah yeah and, you know yeah what well, and then it's just and then what they did give him storyline wise was true to his character and as much right. as it looked like he was making fun of him it's like no it's just showing that he's a part of we can that's just it is if we're if we're excluding a group from ridicule which is now in 2023 in april may 2023 the, the only group that you do not get vilified for uh, for criticizing is straight white males. Right. Anything goes straight white males. You can publicly wish them dead. You, there, could, there would be people that could tell me that they wanted me to get murdered. They want me to die because I'm a straight white male. And that would be okay. Which and is amazing uh, that that's it's insane, and it's uh, not, and it's not going to do what they think. It's not this okay. The straight white males had privilege and power for so long, so we've got to punish them and 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 distribute it to everyone else. So instead of instead of learning from our mistakes and going, everyone should be judged based on their merit and competency and get their opportunity. It should be equality of opportunity not equality of outcome uh, yeah yeah yes and and so by by making it okay to attack the straight white males for now we're just for getting now, in right? this yeah you're just getting in this back and forth thing well he you know like 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 kids like well he punched me but they still don't don't punch him back like you don't get to like it's not just a punching war back and forth like justified by the previous person's punch like we've got to just do better and be cool and and be cool and do like you said the gen x thing like it's we were onto something yeah i mean it has to evolve to you know getting to a better place for everyone and then coming up with more common ground and with the 
with the what you were talking about and kind of what I was talking about, like finding common ground is a lot harder now. Like even something mm-hmm. with uh, pedophiles and shit, like yeah. or um, like it became it became that would have been a sure thing, you know? Right. Like you're gonna <laughs> that's wrong, no? <laughs> like right, and it's like well can like can we like can everyone agree that you know we want a, a better place for the our future like for for the, no, the kids of the future and not the straight white kids you right. make sure straight white males you make sure those kids they know how good their daddy had it and that they are not to feel good about who they are which how fucked up is that if you're a little kid and i mean yes. like for no reason the no reason yeah you're you're getting having to be like well i guess i'm a piece of shit yeah. um and i'm i'm 7 years old and they're telling me i'm a piece of shit and what do i do i haven't done anything to prove i'm a piece of shit so why right. am i a piece of I'm shit just, i'm born a piece of shit i guess right and and i and I'm and I need to pay for the all the, the the privilege not only that I've had but those before me. I think I've seen where they've had to write letters about uh, and stand up in front of class and say, you know, I'm sorry for you know being a a, a white kid like a white male like and they're they're in grade school and having to do yeah. this shit like yeah. I mean what kind of, how's that helping out anybody for the future? Well, you've you've been here. Uh, north of the border and i'd like to think that you probably had pleasant interactions with the canadian my canadian brothers and sisters so to speak something though that really just was very concerning it happened about maybe maybe like maybe seven or eight years ago now in new westminster a town a city that you I know did uh, at least a show or two in. Yeah. And, you know, nice city. And I think it must have been around 2016 where they were really stoking the the the, the divide, the, the racial hatred and really trying to push that and make it so that if there was any racial harmony, we certain that we get rid of that by highlighting racism. And and making sure that any cases, anything where racism was prevalent, that we that we showcase that and show all the hatred that's going on instead of all the examples of of getting somewhere that we were. So and I saw this, it was it was like it was on it was must have been online. I think it was like an online article by a local newspaper for New Westminster and they were looking for information on somebody that was posting, I guess, what they considered to be hate speech uh, up in New Westminster on telephone poles. And it was a like a white eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and very simple black plain text. It said, it's okay to be white. It didn't say, it didn't say it's great to be white. It didn't say I'm proud to be white. It didn't say White is better than everyone. It simply said, it's okay to be white. They were looking for information on who, he's, who was posting these as if it was, yes, as if it was, 
some KKK sort of KKK or something. Or... Yes. It was like, it was, that oh, was shit. one of those, that was a moment where I was like, we're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, because it is okay to be white. I mean, I, I know, I, I know this well, is, might not be a popular opinion, but yeah, you might. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a less and less okay thing. But yeah, I mean, it's okay to be who you are for. I yes. mean, for the most part, like it's, except for pedophiles. Except for pedophiles, yeah. I mean, but yeah, other than that, man, be whoever. Like, yeah, I, I don't give a shit. Actually, like, then you know what? Don't don't diddle animals either. Leave the yeah. Leave your dogs. Leave your dog's dick alone. That's a good idea. That's a yeah. good idea. Don't play with your uh, pussy's pussy. <laughs> yeah. I think in Washington that only became illegal like less than a decade ago. It became illegal. That's good. Yeah, because Washington Washington has it backwards these days most of the time. Yeah, um, man. Washington, <laughs> yeah, Oregon. Yeah, it's a fucking trip. It's been even weirder. Like, um, so I went in November. For the first time in 35 years to um since like since I was a little kid and living there, I went to New York City. And uh, never been man, it's different. Like uh and I went to like Portland the year, you know, how many months like August, maybe I think I was there. And like from what I remember from New York City was fucking, I mean, this was 1986, 1987, was uh, smelling like piss, a bunch of crackheads and people doing uh, breakdancing, which I still think is fucking cool as shit, just because like I remember wrestling. seeing that. Yeah, right? Because you got the moves, and it's, a lot of it is like on the fly, too, right? Like, if you're in a breakdance battle, like, you don't have all your shit worked out. Yeah, you just you, you go and you see someone else like okay, well I gotta do something a little different or try to top yeah, that or, or top it. yeah, because like it's like it's like how you gotta save you know you gotta save some fuel in the tank for your hot comeback and the false finishes, right? Because yeah. if you blow your load and you shine and you got nothing for for the you know match right. is only as good as it finish. Yeah, you gotta have the the uh, the climax of the match, and yeah, come yeah. come down at the end. So you and, better have a, like whatever the sickest breakdance move is in your back pocket, and you don't bust it out too soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, so the uh, so what I found out was even like near like fucking Times Square and all that shit. Uh, didn't smell like piss or garbage uh and it was like it was nicer than it is in portland like the streets of portland like being in fucking new york city was nicer than being in fucking portland which blew my fucking mind just like walking around would, would it have been um with the most drastic of decline would the turning point have been not turning point, but but just where it really just like drops off? That when they had that that city that that their own um, that was Seattle. Was it oh yeah, 
I don't know yeah, how that, Seattle beat. I don't know how Seattle beat Oregon. As, as Seattle beat Portland as far as that. You know, you thought the city would have thrived in Portland. Yeah, yeah, man, that was fucking crazy. And I mean, like, I I haven't been to Seattle for, you know, probably like six, seven years or so. But um, yeah, just watching that one fucking go up, and man, it's yeah. fucking like. And it's weird fucking seeing like a bunch of just shit, like seeing a bunch of human shit is fucking weird, man. Yeah. Like, and yeah, I don't want to see a bunch of human shit. Yeah, and it's bad enough when you get a glimpse. You go if you're forced to go into a porter potty, and you look in that fucking blue liquid at the bottom, and and you're like, I don't want any of that to touch me. Yeah, but it might. Yeah, it might come up, and and then on the streets you might step in it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, that's not dog. No, it's, it's not dog. dog. It's it's not dog. San Francisco, San Francisco is is quite bad for human shit. As well. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah, I was down there and. Uh, you can do a shit like, tour. <laughs> October, yeah, I was doing a shit tour of the fucking West Coast, man. And, uh, man, dude, fucking, there, it was shit everywhere. And I, I went down there in 2017. Um, I had to go to the, the Chinese consulate there. Oh, yeah. And I saw a fucking, I think it was a mom hand her kid who was probably about seven or eight a crack pipe and i watched a seven or eight <laughs> fucking smoke crack just broad fucking daylight and uh i was like that looks like crack that kid is fucking smoking crack holy shit like, i'm like smiling and laughing i think because the alternative is crying really right yeah man it was it was a fucking wake-up call like yeah uh, just how fucking crazy some of the fucking places that were so nice i'll provide, kind of... I'll provide a, a a bit more of a light-hearted uh, example which sure. you it will will resonate with you being that you were a part of it and anybody that wants to check out rusty diamond can see see uh that uh handsome face on portlandia right oh yeah yeah, yeah portlandia Okay, so what was great about that was it was just so perfect is that lesbian bookstore that yeah. they featured in Portlandia with the over-the-top, you know, parody of, of it actually ended up having a problem with the show and the way that they portrayed it, which was just so Portland of them yeah but it was just it, perfect that's where you knew it was like yeah no this is becoming reality yeah there was a lot of it that became reality yeah they had they had a, a pretty good skit that i didn't i saw recently and there was uh they go to a uh a blazers game and it's like uh they're at a there's a break and the cheerleaders come out and uh Holy shit, man! That was that might have been one of the funniest ones. Just watching them, you know, 
you know, say like, uh, oh, you know, I, I, you know, wonder, you know, what, what's she doing? Why, uh, I, would she have a degree in something or, you know, just, just fucking shit like that. And I was like, man, that's, that was all right. And I mean, that show. Even Roseanne, like, wasn't Roseanne running for mayor or something? In Portland? Which, yeah, I uh, know, oh, Portland. Yeah. yeah. I think so. Yeah. And Which, it was interesting because of her, her political views were, you know, one of the reasons why she got ousted like she did. It's just yeah. interesting that uh, life imitates art. Yeah, and I mean, the guy who was the mayor there then, he was a fucking pedo. He oh, was, geez, uh, really? yeah, I mean, he was, uh, he had like a 16, 17 year old uh, boyfriend, I think, at the time. I think oh, like, so just, he was just a minor attractive person. Just a minor attractive person. He's really not that bad. Not that bad of a guy. And man, it was uh but i don't know that show like watching it was pretty fucking like watching it being filmed mm -hmm. was cool it was a lot yeah. of just um a lot of improv and i mean yeah. uh you Love know it. and even, even the fucking extras like we all got to do kind of whatever we wanted to and that nice. uh which was that rules. wild um and yeah it was you know some some things were you know cut where like i wish i would have seen some more of yeah what i thought was funny but what i think is funny isn't what That's uh, a lot of people think you, is got funny. To see, you you got to see some of portlandia that was left on the cutting room floor yeah there was there was some good stuff that i saw like uh one in particular was with um, uh, Kumail Nan Nanjani, I believe is yeah. his name. Um, he was a, doing like a, a waiter, some, you know, being a waiter at some restaurant. And I was just sitting in the bar, man. I was like, fuck, I was busting up. And it was, it was him and just, uh, I don't remember if they were just actors. It wasn't any of the main cast right there. I don't mm -hmm. think it was just him, but um dude that was fucking hilarious and they cut so much of what yeah what i thought was funny and then mm -hmm. but yeah was it, it do you think that it was would it would it have been um is the reason why it was cut simply because and obviously just your perception but be, because it wasn't as good as what they kept in in their view or was it more motivated by oh we shouldn't quite say that or we shouldn't make fun of that we shouldn't joke about that i mean i don't think it was that big of a thing then in fucking 2011 no, yeah, or whatever when it yeah, started you're right Even well though, it was just showing us what was coming it was right, and, it was the precursor to it yeah and i mean it was i mean it was maybe it might have been a little later in 2011 but um but i mean it was still yeah i mean it was before any of that shit kind of started going on and um it was still like and it's it's hard sometimes to see uh you know a mirror held up to you but i mean that's what a lot of entertainment is and i mean yeah. uh even myself like i was like man you know like i don't I don't get it. I don't get this this episode. But then mm -hmm. watching it later, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, fuck, dude. Like, 
Yeah. They, they were on to something. Cause I mean, it's, you know, a New Yorker or um, Los Angeles person's point of view of what uh, someone from Portland yeah. is. And I felt there was a lot of stuff that they were missing out on, but at that mm -hmm. same time, I was sort of blocked out of like, I'm missing out on the joke that I'm, I'm the oblivious one. The, the joke, mm -hmm. the joke is I'm the oblivious one is what, mm -hmm. uh, what I kind of found. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which was, I, I mean, yeah, it was, it, it got funnier. It got funnier. And I started understanding what it was and, I think yeah, it took me a while. It took me a while to embrace it. And another example, I think, similar but different, is where where like I don't know how much you got to watch the Canadian comedy troupe, uh, the Kids in the Hall. Oh man, I was talking about it with uh, a dude who's a comic in Toronto like a month ago. We were talking about Kids in the Hall. He's like. It, talking anything that's fucking uh it shaped me, man. yeah it i yeah. mean it i didn't catch it till i was probably like in my 20s and so well, it was like we in canada it yeah. was on the cbc so it was on you know the the our main like the cbc would be i don't even know it's like the b the the, the BBC of Canada kind of thing, you know, right. like, and, and so they were in Canadian television. We had different, we had different rules. Like on CBC, there was an English CBC and a French CBC and late at night, especially like on like probably Fridays and Saturdays, CBC or French CBC would almost always have a movie with some sort of sex or nudity in it. And for a teenage Canadian boy, like, sure, that's and before before we had you know uh, the 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 world at our our fingertips with the internet and the ability to see any fucked up, you know pornographic image you can imagine or most you know deprived and de deviant like you know behavior you want like you just see a pair of tits on fucking television see one tit on television like sometimes yeah. it'd be watching fucking fashion follows like a, a show about fashion and the chick would have like one fucking tit out in the in the outfit walking on the runway and it's just like like you so or they just or they wouldn't be wearing bras and and it's like a see-through type or like and you're just like oh look at the, you know you're like fucking 13 14 years old just discovering yeah. your dick does something other than piss yeah i had to fucking work for it i had to work yeah. to find that you know so canadian television so we had the kids in the hall who they were so cutting edge they pushed the envelope so much before like anybody on that like i'm like they were they like before married with children was pushing the envelope in in prime time on fox yeah which like made fox the kids in the hall were doing it on in canada and it wasn't even really talked about that much there i think there was only one like sort of scandal about about the content 
And then they ended up getting an HBO show, I think, for a couple of years. They were on HBO for a couple of years. And then did the movie, and then they had the recent um, movie a years ago. Well, no, the series on Amazon. Oh, okay, yeah, that too. Which was like, which was, they killed it. It was so good. But anyways, the kids in the hall, as much as I probably politically, like the politics have changed and, and viewpoints have changed where you'll find a lot of people that were, were and I try not to, to associate really with any, with, a, with any political party because I, I, I do recognize that in politics, the right and the left are two wings of the same bird, as they say. Right. And that, that I think that there's a lot of great workers in politics where it's like pro wrestling on, you know, in the back, they're, they're in cahoots or they're cooperating. They're kind of trying to get what they want and help each other out, but act like enemies. And in reality, they just want to keep everyone in their positions and move this person over here and this person here and whatever. And, and um, yeah. so uh, someone like Dave Rubin, who I, um uh relate to a lot he talked about how he was center left and now he's considered like well extreme right wing by some but just center right he's not he's like a he's a gay man gay married man living in la like he's by no means a a bigot you know like and right so as he said it's like it's not that he moved on the political spectrum it's that the left moved so when if you stayed in the same spot as center left, you were now center right with the way that the party moved, and they don't properly represent a classic liberal anymore, where something like freedom of speech is paramount, which is something the kids in the hall were trying to do with their show, and which was also really good for for um, homosexual equality. Like the people, for me, it was impossible for me to be homophobic as I became a teenager like often teenage boys could be you know the last yeah. thing you wanted to be called was gay but because Scott Thompson of the five members of kids in the hall is gay and I admired him because he's so funny and entertaining and I was even did a really I do a really good voice like the because of him and his character Buddy Cole it was impossible for me to to hate them based on who they sleep with because there's one of them that I admire like I did. Yeah. And they would, but they pushed the envelope so much on television where like there was one, there was one skit where Scott Thompson was talking about the word faggot and why it's so offensive. And he thinks it's, it's and he goes through the, the letters F-A-G-G-O-T. And it was like, um, I don't remember which letter he objected. He blamed it all on one letter, kind of thing. Oh, T. It was the T that that he blamed it on, and then so he just took the T off, and it was fago, and that like if fago would be okay. And uh, and and so things like that, where by by joking about it, it was like too like in the in the in the eighties, like races we can make fun of each other, like. All in the family, Archie Bunker was super racist, but he would always end up looking like a clown in the end. So he looked like he ended up looking like an ass. Yeah. And so clearly being being that bigot isn't cool. But they were right. able to like, you know, or like even just like, you know, we used to be able to joke about certain gay type 
personality traits and whatever. And it's like, now it'd be looked at as hateful. Um, and kids will have this one skit and it was, it was literally from 1989. I encourage you to check it out on YouTube. It's I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it's an art. I think if you look up kids in the hall art class and. Oh yeah. Okay. And it, it makes, it goes right with today. Like, is that the one? You could, yes, you could bring it out today with the exception of the production value and maybe the, like, it might as well, like, it was a 89, so that would be 34, 34 years ago, showing us what our reality, like, in our face, undeniable reality is now. It's brilliant. And, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I got shown that you know, sort of recently too, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, they're fucking. It's. I mean, I I don't know if they knew then, or if it just you know kind of went with how it was, but um, it, it was it, fucking just okay. It was just, yeah, and man, uh. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And, and if we, it's, it feels like it feels like that's what it is going to take in order to stop what's happening, if it's possible. Yeah. And um, we need to be able to ridicule bad, bad ideas or, or at least question what we think are bad ideas because a, a belief or an opinion or view being popular doesn't make it right. Right. And, and it, like the, the whole thing of, you know, people, you can't make fun of them. It's not like making fun of them. It's you fucking giving everyone kind of a voice. Like yes. for instance, um, in, in living color, uh, the character, yes. Damon Wayne's character, handyman, like, yes. do you know, like, Fucking so many people who, you know, have had some sort of disability were so fucking stoked. I was like, here's a character that represents me, yeah. but Never now you can't. The power of the handicap. Right. And yeah, I mean, like, how fucking cool is that? It's like, hell yeah, we got someone that fucking is, is here for us. And and it's it was like, okay. Uh, kind of like uh, Pacific Northwest wrestling legend and, and uh, Howard Stern cast member Gary the Retard. Sure. That's good. Yeah, That's good for, for he's called himself Gary the Retard. Yeah. He's not offended and, and he's living his best life. Yeah, he fucking he loves it. And he's yeah, yeah. fucking cool guy. And like he's just just another person. It's just like, okay, well, yeah, here he is. Um another We're thing doing a gonna... disservice. We're doing a disservice to people by exclude it, it that that is what it is. It's the um I think it's kind of related to the soft bigotry of lowered expectations. So, and, and the fact that white people feel the need to protect another group because they can't take care of themselves. Oh, we've got to point out the, the, the um, oppression. Like I've watched, I've yeah. watched black people debate white people on whether black people are oppressed. They're like, don't, don't tell me I'm impressed. I'm, I have the same opportunity as you and I can do, you know, whatever I want. Don't, don't feel sorry for me. 
I'm the same way. I don't, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me about anything. I am not a victim in any way. Yeah. I am a, I am, I am a victor and I've made mistakes and I can own them, but I'm not a victim because whatever I feel victimized by, if I don't take responsibility for it in some way that I'm giving my power away. If I take responsibility for it, then I can do better and learn from it. Because maybe I was victimized in a sense where somebody took advantage of me, but then I think, what decision did I make that put me in that position to be taken advantage of? And so there's a lot of self-reflection in there too, which Mm. is something that I think scares a lot of people and they would rather do anything else but self-reflect we used to celebrate overcoming hardship and trauma and today the the trauma itself is celebrated like there was i don't remember who it was she was so obsessed it was like a 16 year old girl or something and she was she had been diagnosed that, that, that she had uh, you know, anxiety or something, some sort of anxiety. And she had that in her bio, like you'd put in, give you the pants off his ass. It's, uh, it, it is like associating with like making the, the anxiety a part of her identity. So that way, if you overcome the anxiety, then you don't have that trait anymore. So you're less interesting in your Who mind. Who are you? Yes. Who, yeah, I'm not the anxious person, though. I don't know. I haven't figured out who I actually am. It's, you know, and again, we used to celebrate overcoming trauma. Now it's like that those traumas are badges of honor. We don't overcome them, we just accept them and live with them and spread yeah. our misery. Yeah. And I mean, I've had to, you know, with, uh, with hypnosis, man, like people, you know, like, have some sort of you know you know uh some traumatic event that happened or Mm. something that's like wearing that as a badge of honor whereas but then if anything like that gets brought up it's gonna send them into a fucking yeah some sort of tailspin yeah whereas rather than dealing with what had happened and becoming more than that, not making that your personality, because like you said, once, once that's gone, who are you? Mm -hmm. And who are you? Who am I? Is, yeah, I think it's a question. How many people want to have? And that's, and that's related to the, to the, the trans thing as well, where you have teenagers or that are going through these hormonal changes and you know you ask most teenagers at a certain age about what that's like or about their confusion or about trying to find their place in the world or or, you know their social circle or their identity and then you complicate that by by suggesting that maybe they're the wrong gender that they're that they're that they're a man and a woman's body or vice versa. And so then instead of like, you know, working through that and then figuring out who you are in a healthy way, that becomes who you are because now you're getting, you're getting 
attention. You're you're part of a um, a group. Uh, uh, um, you're oppressed, so everyone's gonna feel sorry for you and tiptoe around you and yeah. support you no matter what. They gotta support you because this is how you feel. And it, it's insane. Like I, I should, you know, what if I start to tell people that I identify as the the king of Surrey, the city I live in. And I want everyone to treat me like the king because that's what I feel like. I feel like I should rule over Surrey. So if you don't treat me as such, you're you're oppressing me and you're not letting me be the real me. Which when you say it, it's like, okay, well, yeah. And I mean, but for some reason, if someone tries to say that, then it's like, okay, well, you fucking, you can't say that because it's just someone else, uh, you know, this person's oppressed. And um, I mean, even though going back with uh, kids in the hall. So recently uh, I watched a movie with uh, with Dave Foley um, oh, yes. uh, called It's Pat. And yes, uh, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, I hadn't seen it for a while. And you know what? Like, yeah. And a lot of people would think that you, there's no way you can fucking do it now. But like, if you go and watch the movie, like the movie is like, just like Pat's fucking cool. Like Pat's just a fucking kind of a weirdo. Like what the fuck? Like, it's not like yeah, Pat's so great. Like, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, Pat's so, yeah. Know, just like, yeah. Yeah, Pat's just sort of a fucking weirdo, and it's it's okay. That's that's Pat, and it's it's yeah. okay. And you know, it, it was... was okay. It's funny you bring that up. I because even in Saturday Live skit, it was okay. It was fine. We didn't know whether Pat was a guy or a girl, and yeah. it was amusing. And if anything, that would have it's like the kids in the hall thing, the Scott Thompson thing. If I, you know, I, I'm not gonna hate. I'm not going to hate somebody because they because they're gay. I'm not going to hate somebody because if I don't because I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. Right. Yeah. And it's just some other person and you know yeah. they and it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Um so before we you know I I'm going to have to have you back on but I I feel like we can probably uh yeah, call, call, good. It, call it pretty well, you know what? Clearly, there's there's no shortage of, of subject matter that, that you and I can speak on. It's really uh, yeah, very enjoyable. It's, yeah, man, likewise, man. Like, it's... And, I mean, yeah, I haven't, like, got to talk with you for a while. And it's just, mm. you know, it's, yeah, like, just picking right back up man and uh, yeah I like, I like what we covered today i liked how the the how everything flowed into each other i think we talked about some important things whether people want to hear rusty diamond and scotty mack talk about these things or not is is another story and and hopefully right. there's a few people that get something out of it but i i'll tell you i feel good yeah saying these too. things out loud because even up until recently I, I would say I was even more careful and more censored or I don't think I am careful and censored anymore so much. I, I was careful and, and I would censor myself because 
I didn't want any sort of undeserved un, un attention or controversy or like just to complicate things for myself. But at this point, I recognize how important it is, again, to mock and ridicule these absurdities so that other people can wake up and go, okay, again, stop putting biological men in women's prisons in competitions and and these things. This isn't hard. Let's yeah. not let let's not make, let the kid decide whether they have a, a a penis or a vagina. And so then they end up mutilating themselves and at 30 years older going, what the fuck did you let me do? Why did you let me fucking destroy myself with this? Right. And I mean it's not uh it's a pretty big fucking thing like to be able to decide that when you're you can dude someone but there's a, there was one more thing on twitter where i might have re, i might have retweeted it and it was about a dude in a woman's prison no it was a dude going to elementary schools dressed as a little girl 42 year old man dressed as a little girl taking pictures of them in washrooms and shit at these elementary schools and in the article it described him as transgender and this person responds i said oh who would have expected this sort of thing to happen that was my tweet right. and dude comes at me with that this this pervert isn't transgender like as in like exposing that he's this pervert is using this the transgender thing to 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 do this and that's my fucking point is I'm not vilifying people that have gender dysphoria and want to live how they want to live. My problem is that we're making it so dangerously easy for so many creeps and perverts to run rampant in all these places that were previously seen as, as for the most part, safe. And, and, and so they said, who am I to decide or how do I decide, how do they put it? They told, basically they were saying to, you know, that this person isn't transgender. So I said, well, how, how do you determine who is? And then they came back and that it's not my business or not my problem. But, I'm, but then I, re, I rephrased, I said, no, but I'm asking you, how do you determine it? And how do the authorities determine who is sincere or not with this? It, 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 that, that just highlights the, the 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 problems right like right there like it, it's it's it, my issue isn't with people with fucking gender dysphoria my issue right. is with the circumstances that we now have to live with and the un undeserved and unneeded and unwarranted danger to so many you know susceptible people and it's really fucking odd that when you say that or that they don't recognize that as you know like you're wanting you know to see good like that you have intentions of you know making it better for people and they don't want to hear what you're saying it's just i already have this preconceived notion about you and i'm going to prove that somebody tweeted at me that was like, well, why am I so concerned about the safety of women and children all of a sudden kind of thing? As if I wasn't before, 
Yeah, when but, weren't you? Yes, perhaps it's just that that we're dealing with a, a danger that we weren't dealing with before because we didn't have a problem with people that were transgender or whatever you wanted to call them at the time. The problem is when we start putting it in schools and in curriculums and in story time and in the kids' heads. That that is that is when it becomes a problem. This isn't difficult, you know, like Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh in Oregon, you don't have to be proficient in uh math writing or reading to be able to graduate now. Those are those are those are instruments of the white patriarchy, my friends. Right? It's math is racist. Um so it's which is so it's being on time, which is something, man, like, uh, yeah, that's wild. That was something I just learned uh, yesterday that, that the being on time is I'm racist. fucking, I'm a straight white male dude, and I'm rarely on time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you're <laughs> like, I'm living with <laughs> that's a disgusting stereotype. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like... Because anywhere else, like you couldn't say it's like it's racist, like a stereotype is racist. Like if you say a stereotype about something, anything else, or someone says something about a stereotype, anything else, that's the racist part. And not that whatever that, uh, you know, stereotype is that's happening yeah, is right. racist. That's right. And so, yeah, I mean, it's. It's kind of a slippery fucking slope wherever wherever it goes yeah. and there's not a lot of people who want to talk or i guess more importantly listen yes and yes well put well put i think that's a hard hard part there to really get get people to just stop and take a step back for yeah, yeah. for a minute and you know not not everyone that you think is bad is a bad person. And well put. Not everyone that's good is a good person. Yes. And that's a good way of that's a nice, that's a nice uh cherry on top right there. Well, you know, that's I think how we'll uh we'll go we'll go out here. Yes. So how how are people gonna find you uh on uh, the internet or where are they gonna go to the you your shows? Send all your hateful uh, tweets to at Smack Wrestling. That's S M A C. The word wrestling. There's no K. And you can find me on Vancouver Island Pro Wrestling shows uh, monthly. That's the only company that I'm working for consistently right now, besides my own Loft Country Wrestling. So if you're in the if you're in the lower mainland, you want to know more about the family friendly show at loftcountry.ca and then find wrestling. And so we do about three or four shows a year there. And then uh, if you want to, you know, message uh, Vancouver Island Pro Wrestling to get me, try to get me taken off the shows. I don't think they'll listen, but you could find Vancouver Island Pro Wrestling online. Um, they've tried to get me, uh, I've had people try to pull me from shows. They had, I, had, I had emails going to the, Ukrainian hall in Kelowna that I was performing on for Thrash, telling them that I am a Russian agent. I love Putin and I hate the Ukraine and that they wanted me off the show. Thankfully, they didn't believe it, but. 
Holy yeah. shit. It's, it's, uh, they, they, they're working hard, but yeah, so that's where you can find me. You can attempt continue to attempt to cancel me if you'd like. I welcome it at this point. Beautiful. Well, hey, uh, Scotty, fucking always a pleasure, man. And, yes, uh, we'll, we'll do this again. Uh, I'll get yes, you back please. on. Thank soon. you. Uh, yeah, thank you. And, um, yeah, thanks everyone for listening and getting, getting down with uh, some stuff. If you're here listening still, thank you. That's, that's killer. And so say by the bell for life. And yeah, man, I like that. And uh, cool. Well, thank you, Scotty. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll catch you soon there, bud. Right on, brother. All right. Later. Okay. You guys, that, that's the fucking, that's it. That's, you got a lot there. You got a whole lot. And you know what? You're going to go out with some fucking tunes because that's what we're doing. And man, dude, Scotty is cool. I fucking, I've liked that guy since I met him. And so he's, he's a good shit. So, um, yeah, fucking support him, like, share, subscribe, do all that. It's cool, man. And that, is the show man boom it's rusty diamond motherfucker